I'm Anna Barnard. And I'm Maria Ramsey. And you're listening to Never Wear Boring Socks. It's time for another episode of a very special podcast involving socks and creativity and young adulthood. And today we are talking about envy, which is something we've all experienced at one point or another and an especially familiar topic to us as ambitious, creative, young adult people. It's very familiar. I would say way too familiar because envy and comparison can really get in the way sometimes. And we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about some ways that envy can actually be productive. And speaking of envy, should I have sock envy right now, Maria? Mm-hmm. What socks are you wearing today? You probably should because my socks are very cool. Okay. They're okay. knee-high socks that I'm quite sure I've worn on the podcast before. I'm running out of socks. I know. Maybe so. we need to go on like a sock shopping spree soon. A sock shopping spree. Slight tangent. I went to a store that was entirely socks last week. That sounds cool. Did you get socks? I was in Salt Lake City. No, I didn't get any socks. Although it was kind of funny because I was looking at all the socks there and pointing out which ones I already had <laughs> and also which ones you had. So I was like, I know Anna's sock wardrobe very well. I was like, oh, Anna has those ones. Anna has those ones. I have those ones. Anna has those ones. <laughs> That's funny. So if we get anything out of this podcast, it's knowledge about each other's socks. Exactly. It's bringing us closer. Yeah. So anyway, my socks have, they're like kind of geometric patterned within stripes almost. They're blue and red and yellow. They're very bright colors. And they just look very fun and wacky and cheerful. And it's very gray and rainy outside. So one, I felt like that was a nice thing to bring into my life right now. And then I also feel like there's lots of change in the air right now in my life and in the communities that I'm a part of, which is like kind of exciting and unexpected. So I feel like these socks reflect that exciting unexpected feeling pretty well nice very cool and what socks are you wearing anna so i admittedly put these socks on specifically for this episode because it is nice and sunny and warm out today here finally it's like 60 degrees and i'm wearing sandals today Ooh, it's very exciting I'm I am envious of that. Yeah, I'm happy about it. It's been glorious for like the past four days. So I think we're finally past our crazy snowmageddon that we had last weekend. <laughs> which stranded Maria at the <laughs> Minneapolis St. Paul airport on her way to Salt Lake City. It was so bad. But yeah. now it's better. Now it's like sixty degrees and sunny. It's so good. So I should have flown through this week and not last yeah, week. You picked the wrong weekend. Oh well. But I am wearing a pair of socks that have sushi on them because, well, one, these are one of the few pairs of socks I haven't worn on the podcast yet. Again, I need to go shopping for some more socks. (laughs) You should go to Salt Lake City. It's a great excuse to get more socks. Also, I ate sushi yesterday. 
from a little cafe at my school. I hadn't had any before, and it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I hadn't had sushi for a while, and so I thought I would wear my sushi socks. Nice. I feel like that's a good spring food, too. Yeah. Seems yeah. appropriate. Yeah, I agree. So, those are the socks I'm wearing. But I, uh, I think I know what socks you're talking about that you're wearing. I'm a little envious of those socks. I like They're very ones. cool. Yeah. The Cheese Beast got them for Ooh, me. Very nice. He has good taste in socks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So today we're talking about envy and comparison, like we said at the beginning. So when do you most find yourself comparing yourself to other people anna um i think a lot of times when it involves my sense of self-worth or something about my identity or oftentimes more specifically than that something about my talents um i'm just thinking about this in terms of my life right now i was just talking to marie about this before we started recording um I am trying to decide what music ensembles to audition for for next year at my school. And part of me wants to just stay in one of the lower ensembles I'm in so I can have a little more time to myself and have it be more relaxed. But another part of me wants to be in an upper ensemble. And part of that comes from my desire to um, play more challenging music and be in a more community-based ensemble. But there's definitely a part of me that, like, wants to prove myself. And I, because my school is very big into music, there's so many people who you can compare yourself to every day. And a lot of it rides not only on the fact that um, music is one of my talents, but it's a very strong part of my identity. And so I want to be good at what I do, and I want other people to associate that with my identity. And so I feel like if I'm not trying to be in an upper ensemble, I'm like, denying part of my identity or something which isn't true but it like gives you this feeling and I know that if I wasn't worried about that then I would probably make a different decision and so that's what I come to think about when I'm when I'm thinking about envy in comparison a lot of it is tied up in how we view ourselves um and I don't know if it's all it it, sometimes it's that I want to have what that person has or I want to be what that person has but I think a lot of it is um kind of viewing yourself in those people's eyes or wanting to elevate yourself in a way that becomes or that gets pointed out to you more by looking at other people i guess Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense because i think envy like part of the deal with envy in comparison is that we are looking at people's outward projections Mm -hmm. of their Identities, I like that you connected it to identity and also talents. I think that's really relevant. But it's definitely like what we can see of other people's talents and we want to project a certain image maybe of what our talents are and what our identities are. And I can, yeah, I can relate to the music thing. And that reminds me of an area in which I've experienced a lot of envy and where comparison tends to show up is my like when I'm working on my creative work and especially how quote unquote 
successful I am with that, like how it's perceived by other people and what I can accomplish with that, like whether I've published something or like sold artwork or something, sort of these outward measures of success that you can measure, which I think, again, just points to the fact that we're envious of what we see from the outside from other people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all want to be good at something, but what we really want to be good at is what we're passionate about and what we feel is at the core of our own interests. And I think that's where for us as creative people, the envy comes in because that's so important to us. And especially because creativity and creative endeavors are often, I guess, for lack of a better word, judged on a very uh, subjective basis. We've talked about this a little before, but pursuing a creative career that your livelihood depends on is very much reliant on just how the majority of people like your work. And it's this very subjective thing. And so it's really easy to compare yourself to people who you see as being very successful, but sometimes you really can't compare yourself to them because you're stylistically very different. And so it gets kind of complicated in terms of that. Yeah. And I think not only are, does this show up because we're creative people, but also because we're ambitious, creative people. And I know we both have a goal to, in some way or another, make all or part of our living doing creative work at some point. So like you said, that does depend on somebody else liking your work enough to buy it or spend money on it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. And I think it maybe lends itself to more vicious forms of comparison than other areas do arguably and obviously that's that is really dependent on the situation i mean there's people you can compare yourself in any sort of career but i think for us it kind of manifests itself in this way that especially because like drawing on our inspiration episode two part of inspiration is comparing ourselves to other people and taking what other people have done and applying it to our own work and as much as inspiration is a positive thing it does involve this certain degree of comparison that can also be kind of discouraging so i think it's it's as it's so wrapped up in what we do because everything that we do creatively a lot of times is influenced by everything that we've already seen within our our areas that we want to pursue and so there's bound to be some degree of comparison and, and envy of the people who have achieved success yeah that's a good point I also think because creative work can be so personal and you're like putting out a part of yourself that feels like going back to your idea of identity. It feels like a part of your identity to be sharing that piece of you. So. It's really easy to judge yourself based on that, because it feels like not just as. Not only is it just this thing that you created, it's also sort of a part of yourself that you're putting out into the world. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, like, being ambitious and creative in itself and having a grand vision for our lives and wanting to make a career doing something creative, like, that in itself, I think is fine. I think that is a good goal 
a good something to work towards if we can do that in a positive and not like stressed out really judgmental way but i think there's a difference between pursuing these big goals and dreams that really come from our own hearts and our own desires versus things that we think we want because we see other people having them and they look like they're successful or happy because they have them. Yeah. Well, and I think tied up with this idea of envy in comparison is competition. And Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of how envy in comparison manifests itself if you just decide to kind of give in to those sensations. Um, And I feel like the best forms of art and artistic communities are when competition is at a low and it's more about collaboration and supporting other artists and so comparison doesn't really get us anywhere because everyone has such unique voices and styles that they bring to the table um and and in addition to this idea of creative art and creative worth being measured on the number of people who like your work or who decide to invest money in your work, as much as that is a relatively good indicator, I mean, we don't really have a lot of other indicators as to whose art is better than who whose else's art. Um, having a certain number of people who like it doesn't necessarily always indicate that sense of worth as opposed to having a smaller but more dedicated fan base, or if your art just hasn't been seen by as many people, but it's been really well received by the people that have seen it. I mean, it's just, it's really hard to compare yourself based on that ideal when there's different factors going on that lend your your art to in, to a certain degree of visibility. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think this is especially an issue with social media because it's really easy to see numbers that way, how many followers or likes somebody has, which, like you said, is not always as good of an indicator as how... It depends on your definition of success, but in my opinion, that a high number of followers or likes with less engagement or, like, true... Mm -hmm devotion and love of your work is less actually successful than having a lot of followers. I don't think I'm saying this in a way that makes sense, but you know, I think that um, I think you are engagement and love of your work is more important than just the numbers right. in itself. Yeah. Yeah. So this idea of comparison and competition, as much as we pursue it so much and oh my goodness, I'm so guilty of it. I, I mean, we'll talk about this later, but I don't know if there's a super good way to eradicate or avoid it. I think it's all about changing your own attitude about it. Um, But it really Mm -hmm. doesn't help us out that much in the long run. Yeah. Well, I really like that you brought up the idea of competition, because I think that's a big one, too, because we have this idea that there's like only so much success and only so much money to go around. And if someone else is really successful at their art, that's sort of in a similar category to yours. I think a lot of us have this fear that that means there's less 
success and money for you. And I don't think that's true. Because I think, like you said, I think collaboration is really powerful. And I think that if we collaborate, we can all kind of grow each other's success and grow each other's visibility. And it's not like, I don't know, if we were both trying to make a living selling art and I, I had a lot of people who really liked my art and I was like, hey, friends, followers, if you like my stuff, you should go check out Anna's work because you might like hers too. I think, I don't know, there's this idea in business that you're probably not supposed to do that because you're sending people to your competitors. But I think in in creative things everybody's work is so different and i don't think it's like if someone buys a painting from you because they like your work that means they're never going to buy a painting from me or recommend my work to somebody else yeah i agree well in a similar vein to that too i get into that attitude really easily like when i'm reading books and thinking about things that i could be writing I'll be like, oh, well, there's a great idea that, like, they've taken and I can't write about. Or there's, like, a trope that worked really well for them, but that has now become overused. But the thing is, it's not like there's, like, a certain limit on ideas and that people are just going to, like, fill them up. And then it's going to be like, ideas are gone. No more good ideas. Like, (laughs) good luck to you, but you won't be able to figure it out. (laughs) Um, It's like when they wrote what they wrote like that trope wasn't overused or that idea wasn't present yet and they had to come up with it themselves and for them i mean either they were in the right place at the right time or they just were incredibly innovative and it doesn't mean that you can't be incredibly innovative in your own time without still drawing on their own ideas so i think it's really important to remember that there's no ceiling that exists in regards to creative ideas that's it's not really a thing yeah i think that's really good to remember i also think that there's no ceiling for people who are going to consume creative work because we all like art and music and reading we like different kinds which is why it's a good thing if more of us are creating and sharing our work Mm -hmm. because you're more likely to find something that resonates with you if there's more stuff out there. And I was thinking about this recently because I was at this uh, conference this weekend. It was the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators conference in New England. And someone was talking about one of the workshops that I went to. The leader of the workshop was talking about how since there are so many picture books, picture books out in the world now, picture books, <laughs> um, you, you have to think of something new to some extent now because a lot of stuff has already been done. But even though that's the case, there's still, like you said, there's still so many more ideas. Like he was showing us some examples of his work and they're very original and like really I think they're great, but it's not like, you know, he's like using ideas in a new way, but it's not something that no one has ever heard of before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes me think of a play that I saw this past weekend um, for my English class that we went to go see in Minneapolis. And 
it's about a women's soccer team, a women's high school soccer team. And every, it was so good. And, but the thing is, everything they presented in the play was very much like real life. It was just like young women talking about their periods, but then they were talking about Cambodian genocides. And it was like, you can have like conversations like that at the same time. And that was just like very true to me because I feel like that's kind of what women's conversations are like. It can be like, at a superficial level and it can be at a deeper level and that's not they don't Mm -hmm. have to be exclusive and it was just like very real and authentic but it wasn't anything new yet there's hardly any plays that actually deal with that kind of stuff and it was an all-women cast and they were just talking about things that women would talk about this isn't like a revolutionary thing but it was a revolutionary thing because plays haven't really done that yet and so it was just mm-hmm. taking kind of real life experiences, but then using it to innovate this medium. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that is really I mean, the cool. times are always changing. So as much as ideas get taken or whatever, it's like you're getting all these new ideas from your current culture as well. Right. And the more creative work that people continue to create, the more of a like big pool there is to draw on from things to combine and use in original ways. So there's always more material to work with. Exactly. So my feeling about comparison is that it's generally very unhelpful. Is that your feeling also, Anna? Yeah. I mean, unless you're using it in a way to, I guess, hold yourself to a better standard. Um, I think generally what we're talking about is using comparison in kind of a destructive way to invalidate our own mm-hmm. self-worth and potential. So, yeah, I would I would say it's generally unhelpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've talked a little bit about why that is, and we pointed to the fact that we're only seeing the outside of somebody else and we're comparing... Actually, at the conference I went to, I think one of the speakers referenced comparing her insides to somebody else's outsides, which that just makes so much sense because we are so aware of like all the conflicting thoughts and doubts and uh, self-doubt and all these feelings that we're having inside. Whereas we don't see that so much from other people, we just see the stuff that they're choosing to share with the world especially in terms of creative work. We've been talking mostly about that, which is applicable since we're both creative people. Um, but I think it's easy to forget that another person that you don't know super well also may have those same feelings of doubt and inadequacy and may also be insecure about their work sometimes or about other aspects of their life like maybe they're sharing these books that they've been writing that have been like really well received by the public but something about their personal life is really hard for them and they're not actually as happy as you would think that they would be based on what you're seeing yeah yeah definitely and i know that this kind of comparison often leads to unrealistic goals that we make for ourselves um like for example in my case 
I feel like the past couple of years, I've kind of had this attitude when I want to write that, like, it has to be really good the first time around because I read all this good stuff and, like, that's all I get. I just get the final product and it's like, this is so good. And so I don't get to see all the process that went behind it. So I have this mm-hmm. mindset that going in, I have to write this perfect final draft right away, which is just completely unrealistic. And and not that that that's even... I mean, you know that there's work that, that goes on behind all of these things, but that is in no way glorified or or talked about in great detail. It's kind of recognized, but what's celebrated the most is the final product. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's more the thing that's wrong is is about our attitudes and this this idea of envy that we have. But I think we could kind of find this balance between the two in order to al- to alter our attitudes and have a better perspective about the things that we're consuming and partaking in. Yeah. And this also makes me think of the fact that we tend to compare ourself at our current stage of life or creative work to whatever we're seeing from somebody else at their particular stage of life and creative work or whatever we're looking at. Like I might be comparing myself to a really established artist that's been making art for 40 years and I might look at that and be like why do people buy her work so much more? Why is she so much more successful or better at art? But it's like she has all these extra years of experience then it's not a useful comparison at all. Right. And I think we tend to do that a lot. Yeah, I think what's also difficult is that this isn't always the case, but there are some success stories that are kind of, um, I don't want to say flukes, but they're just, they gain success in a way that other people haven't. And the thing is, like, those are mm-hmm. the biggest success stories and that they're unconventional. And those are the ones that get the most hype. And so because it's it's tough that those are at the forefront of our our brains and in, in good creative examples because that's actually not the general example of what people the steps that people take to to make a creative product there's nothing wrong with what they did it just oftentimes if we're comparing ourselves to them it doesn't give us a realistic perspective of what we can do yes i definitely agree because there are kind of those exceptions where people don't necessarily have to work for the same number of years before they get recognition and it can be frustrating to those of us who feel like we would like that same amount of success but it's not happening maybe as quickly as we would like yeah and even also i mean building on that point as much as there are some success stories that are unconventional I think there's still a lot of stuff behind those that still don't get acknowledged, all the hard work that they do, even if it is unconventional. And so I think a lot of it is just we have to recognize all the hard work that we know went in, even if it's not visible. Yeah. It might seem like someone just popped out of nowhere because we've never heard of them before, but maybe that's just because their work was not being recognized. Yeah at that level before that and they were actually working really hard for years and we just didn't see it right so i think that's really important to remember too for sure and i also think it's important to remember that we're all 
different. Like that person who seems like they had a really sudden success, maybe they just happened to be in the right place at the right time with like the right work that somebody was looking for. And that's not the kind of work that we are producing. And I think that's okay. But I think there's a... Like, things get kind of messy when we try to emulate somebody else's success, when we are envious of what they have accomplished, and we try to, like, do what they did to get to the same place. But I just, I don't think it works that way, because we're all in different situations in life. We all have different styles of work. We all have totally different mindsets and beliefs coming in, which I think have a huge impact on our success. So I just think that's important to remember. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I also think, you know, we're looking at other people's quote unquote success when we are comparing ourselves to others and seeing something that we like that we're maybe envious of. But there are so many different definitions of success and kind of like I was saying earlier, somebody might have this outward appearance of being really successful. Like maybe they have a really cool job and they live in a really cool apartment that you're feeling envious of, but you don't know like what the status of their mental health is or how happy they are or anything like that. So is your definition of success a really cool house and a really cool job? Or is it something else? Is it the happiness that you think that that person has because of those things? And maybe you can get that happiness without those. Right. Things. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's everyone's happiness is dependent on different things. People measure happiness in completely different ways. And I think we for some reason, even though I think we realize that, like, I think we realize that different things make each other happy in different ways. When we see someone else being successful and happy, we just want to attain that. And we kind of get blindsided by that and forget that what makes us happy is completely different than what makes that person happy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's easy to ignore some of the things that we already know. Yeah, exactly. Which I think is a an interesting point, too, because I think envy in comparison has this effect of warping our initial perspectives and it it instills this forgetfulness in us i think it 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 causes us to forget the initial motivation that we had for doing what we do or the initial vision that we have for our art or why we're really doing it um again i think our society is really focused on outward products and and um and en end products and and what we can produce so people can consume it and maybe that's not what you're intending to do, but when you see people's success manifesting itself in that way, we don't necessarily want to create all these things that people could consume, but we do want to be successful. And that may or may not look identical to that or not. And so, again, I think envy in comparison has this effect of just causing us to forget what's really important to ourselves. And that's so individual. I think it does, too, because then we're so swept up in what other people are thinking and what other people are doing, and we're not stopping to think about what feels true for me in this moment, what feels like it's the right next step for me. And I think 
since, like we said, we're all different, we're all in different situations, it's not ever going to be the same answer as it is for somebody else. And I know we've talked a little bit in some other episodes about the importance of trusting our own intuition and our own inner wisdom and not trying to just look at what other people are doing. Yeah, for sure. Because we can never get the full picture on that. Right. The fullest picture we have is of our own perspectives and lives. And I also think this points to the fact that we tend to believe as humans that once we get a certain thing or attain a certain goal, then we are going to feel better. Like we're going to be happy once we publish the book. We are going to feel at peace once we can make a full-time living as an artist or we think we'll be happy when we have a certain number of people who say they like our work or something like that. But I I think if you let your happiness and your emotions be so dependent on outward circumstances that you can't necessarily control, then you're just kind of setting yourself up for failure. I think you have to take some ownership of your emotions before the thing that you think you is going to make you happy. I think you have to find some way to feel that happiness beforehand. I think that also makes it easier to to get the thing that you want. PMA in action. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up. I have subscribed to this viewpoint I, oh, I for have a too. very long time. <laughs> like Throughout most of high school, I had that mindset, and it made me very frustrated and very unhappy, and it made me feel like I was just like always chasing something. Because once, mm-hmm. you, like, once you do achieve that thing, even if you do manage to achieve it, it doesn't feel as satisfying as you think it's going to be because there's always something else that crops up that now you're... you're you are uh what's the word i'm looking for um you're relying on that to create your own happiness and so yeah oh i can't say enough about this and it's still really difficult for me to try to cultivate this inner peace and this inner happiness and not relying on outward things because so much of our life is dependent on what happens to us and what we do and who we spend time with and the activities we're involved in which is good i mean that's just how life is but I think we forget the constant that we are always bringing with ourselves and and mm-hmm. we need to cultivate that in a healthy way. And I think that's a really good way to try to distance ourselves from envy and comparison. Yeah. Yeah. So I think... Now would be a good time maybe to talk about some of the ways that envy can actually be useful because I I tend to think of it as a very negative thing. I think often it is a very negative thing. That's kind of what we've been talking about. But I think one of the ways that it can be useful is if we do kind of focus on that feeling that we think whatever the thing that we're envious about is going to give us. Like, whatever feeling we think that we're going to get from getting that job or getting that apartment or getting that book published or whatever. I think if you think about what that feeling is that you 
think you're going to get from that and maybe see how you can feel that feeling now. Because that's what you really want is the feeling. It's not the thing. We've talked about this a little bit before. That's true. That's a really good point. Yeah. And no, I think it's it, I think it's good to point out that as much as envy can be destructive, if we were the only ones living in the world and there was nothing else to compare ourselves to, we wouldn't really be able, be able to hold ourselves to any sort of standard. And I think everyone else's creative ideas really can spur us into developing our own. And as much as envy often is a negative thing, if we envy someone's work in a good way, we can really use it to motivate ourselves to our own degree of innovation. But I think there, there that requires a really high degree of, of conscientiousness in what we're doing and what we're making and mm-hmm. self-awareness. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of one of the other things that I think is useful about envy. Something that I like to think about is what is that envy trying to tell me? Because if I'm envious of somebody, I think it can be really useful to look at what do they have that I would like and how can that guide me in a direction that I want to go? Because sometimes we don't stop to think so much about why specifically we're envious of that person. So if you can really like stop and break down what you want that you feel like they have that you don't have and then use that as a guide for like how you can maybe bring some of that thing into your life that you feel like you're missing that can be a really useful clue as to something that you want yeah i'm really glad you pointed that out i think this really kind of ties to the idea of mindfulness I think the reason why envy does become destructive is that we we um kind of allow ourselves to get wrapped up in it and we kind of like subscribe to this this uh attitude and I think it's not necessarily inherently bad but the way we we use it and let it influence us can be can be unhelpful and if we take a moment to really analyze it then we can turn it around into this productive thing so I'm, I think that's a really good point yeah, because I think it can kind of show us what we want. And I've I've sort of made a little exercise out of this that I've done a few times. Maybe this is weird. <laughs> but the alumni magazine that I get from the college that I went to, you know, it has, like, here's what the 2015 graduates are doing. Here's what the 2014 graduates yeah, are doing. Uh-huh. And there's, like, little blurbs about everybody. And sometimes I'll read those and try to notice which people I'm envious of that I graduated with or maybe who are even younger than me or who graduated around me and then think, why am I envious of those people? Like, is it because I feel like their job would be more fulfilling? And if so, what am I missing in my current work life that feels unfulfilling or like, yeah, things like that? Oh, I'm really that's really interesting. I I think well that I think that points out one just interesting thing about like things like alumni magazines as much as it's like oh look at what your fellow classmates <laughs> are doing it's like why can't I be doing that I think it is this like big source of comparison it yeah. is 
That's really interesting. I'm glad I admire the fact that you're using it in this productive way. That's a really good example. Because well, I feel like I used to, it used to be less productive yeah. and I would just look at it and be like, ugh, like, why are they doing something so cool? And I feel like I'm stuck in some way. But it, yeah, it's much more useful if I can think about why I'm envious of certain people. And it gives me more clarity in terms of what, what I want. Yeah. If I feel like I'm not totally clear on what I want. For sure. So for our call to action this week, we want to know how you can see envy as a clue in your life. And whether that be um, past or present envy, but we want to kind of um, motivate you all to be a little more self-aware about the envy in your life and kind of think about what it is signaling for you. So let us know. Do you have a quote for us today, Anna? I do have a quote. Um, and this quote kind of like popped out of nowhere for me. Like last week, I was I was like on BuzzFeed and there was some quiz and it was like, take this quiz and find out what Dr. Seuss quote you need to hear right now. <laughs> but that sounds fun. this quote, I feel like is very relevant to this. So apparently I did need to hear it. So this is the quote. It's from Dr. Seuss. And it is, today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. Which I kind of... I love yeah, that. It just kind of sums up what we've been talking about. I mean, as much as we want to compare ourselves to other people, no one ever is going to be just like you. And there was no one ever who is just like you. And that's like a really, really exciting idea. It is. It's very exciting, especially in terms of creative work. If you feel like like everything has been done already, everybody else is so talented. If you're having these kind of self-doubting thoughts, I think it can be really helpful to remind yourself that you're the only one with your background, your experience doing this specific thing that you're yeah. doing. And even if you're not getting recognized for it right now the way you would like or having whatever measure of success you're hoping for. You're still the only one who's doing your thing. And if you're really being true to yourself and your own creative voice and curiosity, then you are creating something unique and original. Yeah, yeah. It's honestly pretty remarkable. I think if we recognize that more often, we'd be more motivated to do the things that we want to do and be more excited about life because I think that's such a positive attitude to have about ourselves and our own potentials. I agree. Thank you, Dr. Thank Seuss. You. I love Dr. He's Seuss. Great. It's a little side note. When I was um, over spring break, I went to Orlando and I did like the theme park thing and it was really fun. But at Universal mm -hmm. Orlando, there's like this little Dr. Seuss land. <gasps> That's yeah, so cool. And so I got to go on these little Dr. Seuss rides and I got to meet Sam I Am and stuff. That's fun. fun. There's a Dr. Seuss museum near me. That's cool. In Springfield, Massachusetts, yeah. I believe. It is cool. Yeah. Little tangent for the day. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening this week. It really means a lot to us that you are here. 
And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a couple minutes to leave us a review. It helps us out a lot and it helps other people find the show. And it's also helpful if you subscribe wherever you found us. You can find show notes for this episode at mariacatherine.com slash podcast slash 033. And Catherine is spelled K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E. And thank you very much to Ben Ramsey, a.k.a. The Cheese Beast, for doing our audio editing. And thank you to Ben and Martha Barnard for help with our music. We will talk to you next week with some updates and some current favorites. And in the meantime, remember to never wear boring socks. <laughs>